One, two, three, clap. Nan, you didn't clap. <laughs> Oops. God damn it, Nan. How are we going to synchronize your audio, Nan? Damn Nan. it. Dan. Professionalism. I thought you were watching us the whole time. <laughs> Is this confirmation that you've just been playing Monster Hunter during like every single one of these fucking recordings? Not every single one. You I- son of a... Happy birthday to you. Me. Happy birthday to you. Yay. Happy birthday, dear Nan. Happy Yay. birthday to you. And welcome to another episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast to go with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts. But we're not going to be critics. We're not going to be throwing numbers at you. We're just going to ask at the end of the movie, so did you like it? I am joined by my co- I am Sir Square, and I'm joined with my co-host as Always. Hi, I'm incredibly depressed. And my name's Kaz. And we've got a special guest! It's our birthday boy that you might have heard Square and singing about. It's me, Jake Nan! I'm just delighted to be here to one of these things. <laughs> He's been here the whole time. Our guy in the chair is... <laughs> he is finally here! Uh, and this week... Our birthday boy picked out Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, directed by Garth Jennings, screenplay by Douglas Adam and Carrie Kirkpatrick, based on the book by Douglas Adams. This is the story of a man named Arthur who loses his house at the same time Earth is destroyed and how he goes on an adventure through the galaxy, learning to hitchhike along the way. I gotta say, this is an interesting film, and the first thing I have to ask is, Nan, what made you want to pick this movie for us? Well, uh, I was offered the chance to pick a movie, and y'all thought, hey, for your birthday, it'd be great. And I'm like, well, there's always one movie I love to default on if I ever want to watch a movie. It's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Read the book, seen some of the TV serials, and haven't played the game. But yeah, I just, I just love the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I gotta say, like I, I only watched this movie once, like years ago, and I could not remember a single thing from it. I think I watched it too young because I wasn't into British comedy at the time. But I have to say, this is one of those kind of situations where I was hoping that this was going to be one of those gems I passed along the way, and I'm really glad it was because I feel like I need to own a copy of this movie as soon as possible. It's a good movie, so like, uh, I, I don't remember when... I don't think... Well, me and Nan... Because I remember seeing it in theaters, and I guess I must have seen it twice because I'm pretty sure me and Nan saw it the first time, and then I saw it with like a girl when I was in high school... And I think she only pretended to like it because she saw it with me. <laughs> but she was very confused, it sounded like. And yeah, I just remember really liking it. Then again, I don't know, I grew up because my brothers were like into like British humor. like uh, So we would like watch stand-up comedian like Eddie Izzard and all that mm-hmm. other like weird stuff. Uh, yeah, so I grew up like watching British humor stuff. I know it's a little bit slower. And so I remember thinking to myself, like as a recommendation, like when I was in high school, especially because of that reaction of the person that I saw with, um, I was like, I don't really, it's a hard recommend because I don't know people who like really would get, like who had the patience for like the kind of slow or dry British humor. But as I, I, as I'm older, I'm like, you know what? I know a lot of people I think that would be into this now, actually. Wait a second. Did it just not find its audience here? I think after I saw this movie and totally didn't understand a single thing about it, I then got really into the IT crowd and fell in love with British comedy, but never went back to this movie. And I gotta say, man, you pick something great. Like, from the get, like, seeing Martin Freeman back in that kind of comedic role uh, since, I, I hadn't seen him since in that since, like, you know, The Office when I had watched that, which was really hard to get through i i love british comedy but the the uk office is just incredibly hard to get through yeah he is really funny when he wants to be and so seeing arthur this just like really sad poorly 
in a poorly planned out house. Let's be real. I know he's trying to save this house because of how that house is designed by stair alone with constantly hitting your head like that. I would have burned that fucking house down years ago and started back up from scratch. Yeah, it's still it's his house. It's nice. It's it's quaint. It's quaint. And yeah, exactly. Everything back then, you know, cuz those you know, some of their houses and some of the structures and infrastructure back then, people were tinier back then. I would fit in perfectly. <laughs> so you're saying you want this house? Yes. Well, yeah, actually. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere as long as it gets good Wi-Fi. I think I'll be all right. And it's not that far away from a pub. True. This is true. And this uh, is Yeah, true. the movie sets up the house perfectly like the book. It's just a quaint, nice little, little, little house. There's nothing really great about it. There's nothing real bad about it. It's just a little, it's a little house. And just like a uh, great... Hilarious men in little houses in the middle in the no in the middle of nowhere. The government fucks him over. Yeah, what are they building? Like a bypass or something? Yeah, they just need to build a bypass, and apparently they can't move it a little bit, so it doesn't destroy this man's house. He's in the middle of fucking nowhere by the looks of it. Like there's nothing around him. You could so easily build a road around this man's house. But no, they had already planned it out. It has to go through the house, so we're gonna destroy this fucking house. Okay? Like this is this is bureaucracy at its finest. This is what we do. We just take what is ours, we're gonna destroy your home, build our bypass, everything's fine. The earth is going to go on tomorrow without this house. Yeah, it, it's real fucked up. We got that scene where he's like laying in front of the bulldozer the the sorry, the the tra the tractor to try to like you know, and protest of like, you know, they, they, you know, to get them from, from bulldozing his house. And they're like, do you know how much damage this tractor would suffer by running you over? Absolutely none. <laughs> yeah, I love how he even asked us like, yeah. how much? And it's like, oh, uh, wow. That's, <laughs> like at least 10%? That's a real big, like, yeah. <laughs> Guess what? We don't care. It's going through. Like I said, without this house, the earth is still going to live tomorrow he should have filed i mean if it was in the public record he should have filed his complaint like right it's there yeah they were on display in a basement there's nothing wrong with that they were on display it's available (laughs) (laughs) i suppose so it's your house you're telling me you wouldn't do anything to present your house fair enough it's all you need to do is just file some paperwork and i love how in that statement alone, when they said when he said that it was in a basement, I could always already imagine the annoyed clerk when he went up, just like, "Hey, I'm looking for these plans," and they're just like, oh, "Follow me," and just made the process even <laughs> worse. Instead of just being helpful, they were just like, kind of in like an antagonistic "fuck you for making me work" mood. Uh, I know we. Uh, I know we're eventually going to start jumping around, and then all the, the the hell's gates will break free, and we will be lost as far as following any kind of structure. Because I know I'm going back to when you said like, oh yeah, uh, Martin Freeman could be funny when he wants. Also, I gotta say though, his character Arthur, mm, a little iffy, you know. Oh no, so Arthur's he's a very dick. Sympathetic Arthur's we a like dick. him. He's a funny guy. He's a schlub. He's down to earth, and this and that. Uh, he gets called out more than a few times for, you know, hey, read the room, maybe uh, maybe just, you know, this, some of the things that you're, we're asking you to do aren't the craziest things that have happened today. Maybe a little bit of backbone is in order, you know? <laughs> well, uh, yes, yes, but... That, that, actually comes up qu- oh, that actually comes up quite a bit in the book. He needs to be something... Uh, event, you know, eventually. That is not my biggest concern with Arthur. My biggest concern with Arthur is how obsessed he is with a selfie with a woman on his phone. He just met that week, and she left at the party she just met him at with another guy, and that apparently is, like, the biggest heartbreak of this guy's life. He's just like, I think I blew it because this woman walked up to you, just like, let's go to Madagascar, and you were just like, sorry, I kind of have to work tomorrow. It's just like, hey, man, people got different priorities. Like, Arthur. I mean, once again, he's relatable because he, he's relatable because he's a schlub. <laughs> but uh, also, I mean, we've also been in a rut before, you know? Like, I... 
one of those things where you're just like you have that one interaction with someone like you know at a coffee shop or something and you're like you walk out of that and you just think about like oh the fact that they gave you just like a moment of attention like could have been the one (laughs) could have been the one you know just one of those ah just if only if if only though I only ever experienced something like that in like high school, all right? And I'm already an overdramatic person in my day-to-day life, okay? Even I just would just be like, oh, that was a cool interaction. That was a dope person. Never going to see them in my life again. I already have forgotten their names. Sir has not found himself in a deep enough rut is all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but it is weird, though. It is weird. Don't you dare guess about the dark places I've been. We are, because I am saying that, and it is like a little bit of a defense. Um, it's funny to dramatize like that, you know, when you're talking to friends. Like, if you talk to Ford, which we'll get to Ford. Boy, howdy, we'll get to Ford. But, like, when you, if you talk to, like, someone like that who's your friend, and you're like, oh, you know, hey, you know, you talk about the idea of, like, oh, you know, I think she could have been one. She was so cool, outgoing. Look how pretty she was. I got a selfie, you know, there, this and that. You know, that kind of thing. But, like, towards the end of the movie, uh, the world's been destroyed, recreated. He's talking to intergalactic mice who have been one, who want to scoop out his brain. And he's spilling his guts, yeah. being like... You know, this lady, she could have been the one, and you think you could have, you might have fucked it up, and you like, you know she is. You know she's the one for you, and all you'd want to do is just tell her kind of thing. And it's, he brings up, he's like, oh, yeah, and this week has really been eye-opening. He's like, yeah, it's been a week, my dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know how much of this soul, you know, spilling is um, just authentic, or you're just lonely, and she's... The only girl who's maybe giving you attention for quite some time. Because every time they're interacting, I said that he needs to grow a backbone. She's the one that says he needs to grow a backbone, you know, like kind of, hey, step up kind of thing. Um, and then calling him out for his like bit of like weird jealousy with uh, Zephod. Hey, look, they barely know each other kind of thing. Like, why is he calling her out kind of thing? So she busts his chops, but she also seems nice, but... Still, <laughs> being the last two humans cannot be the only thing to make you the one. Yeah, it really can't. <laughs> but I will say this about Trisha and Zoe Deschanel here. This was the least manic pixie character I've ever seen. Yeah, I think so. Actually, He's I never really saw nice. uh, 30 He's Days of good. Summer or whatever it's called. But I think that's the one where she earned the trope. 500 whatever. Days of Summer. I think that's the one where she actually earned the trope of Manny pixie dream, pixie dream Girl. So... Who knows? But yeah, this one she's she's pretty down to earth, and she's just a regular person. I love I I love Zoe Deschanel, and I love her performance in this movie. I just yeah, with both of these humans, I think what's really great that is nailing on the head here as these two humans are hitchhiking through the galaxy. You're kind of just like, wow, I don't like either of these people. <laughs> and what does that say about humanity right now? I got nothing wrong with her her character. Um, and Arthur seems fine. Once again, I think he's just a bit being a bit overdramatic. I, I, it's not that I don't like them. They're fine. They're just... I bet they're great people uh, when they're apart. They might even be fine together, but we don't know. It's been a very tumultuous week. <laughs> it has been a very tumultuous week, but at least we have that party, right? And not to mention, they are probably not what you would think of when you think of like protagonists of a movie or like the last humans in the story. You know, you'd think... Someone with, uh, uh, someone different. Yeah, he's not like a badass action hero, man. No, he's in his uh, he's in his bathrobe and pajamas with his towel. It's about Ford, Nan. Do the books explain what Ford looks like when he doesn't look like a human, or does he just coincidentally look like a human? Uh, they don't describe him when he doesn't look like. I think he just coincidentally looks like a human. Oh, okay, just a race of just a race <laughs> a race of a race of well, yeah, a race of. He just uh, looks uh, like Mustaf. Yeah, I was going to say. Just a whole species of of A race of just Moss Death. I mean, there's just a planet of Moss Death. (laughs) Ford's not even his actual... uh, Ford's not even his actual name. He thought cars were the dominant species of the planet, so he just picked a name from there. Yeah, didn't Douglas Adam, like, kind of... Wasn't... Yeah, wh- his name's Ford Prefect. Yeah, uh, was didn't uh, wasn't that like a joke? Cause like Douglas Adam like had that car and he thought it was like actually a piece of shit, like terrible jalopy of a car. And so he's just like, wouldn't it be funny if I just kind of dunk on it and this is the name of a character? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he is named after a car, and uh, it's great. Cause yeah, when we meet him, he's trying to handshake with a car, and I never picked up on it until we were watching it. We had the subtitles on where he's. 
doing little humming sounds. Where he's going like <laughs> making car noises <laughs> as he's, he's, as he's thinking it's like some kind of greeting. Car noises. I was really thinking he was gonna honk at one point. Well, you'd have to hear them honk first. Thing. But yeah, he's trying to like handshake. He he's doing the car noises, but he's going for a handshake to this thing that clearly has no hands. He's a bit of a odd duck, we'll say. To say the least, yeah. He's a beautiful soul that writes the greatest book in all the galaxy. Co-writes. There's actually several writers. There's just like hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of writers for the book. Because it's one of those things like a book written so long ago. And they modernize it by making it not a physical, tangible book, but making it electronic in the movie. But it's just so funny things written so long ago. It's like they get our techno- like the technology of their time and they try to imagine what's it going to be like in the future. And so you have a travel log or travel guide um, that's a physical, tangible travel guide for the universe. And it's just like, yeah, it's like when you see like the old sci-fi books. They're like, yeah, your newspaper someday will be digital and it'll show. Like It's like, who? it's a tablet, bro. Like. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> it's Guess just what? A you undershot. No one looks at a newspaper. What is that? Z- the the fucking zoomers <laughs> don't know what a newspaper is. <laughs> and hey, we have foldable tablets oh, now. Boom, fuck. baby. Maybe I'm in the wrong. <laughs> I need the I need the fucking Samsung Galaxy newspaper now. <laughs> <laughs> I need the Samsung Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Um, but Ford is the most genuine character, I think, in the book. He has no ulterior motives. He has no no kind of scheming. No, uh, he's, he's has no complications to him. He's just a good friend and just trying to survive out there. He just likes to have fun. Yeah. Oh, I guess there is a bit of complications when he seems to in one of the bars they go to he seems to have maybe um messed around a little bit with uh some of the other species but i mean come on he's he's he's, he's, he's a man of the universe he's a man of the universe that's the best way to put it you can't tie down a man of the universe i love that interaction though too cuz they're at this bar Everyone's busy, and all we see is him talking to someone, and all you, they're so massive that you just see giant set of heels, fishnets, and legs going up. But you can't even get like above the ankles. You, you don't even see the calves. This figure is so huge, and he's like, "Oh no, I wasn't avoiding you. It's nice. It's nice to see you. Obviously, you've grown. <laughs> it's like, man, what is this species like? What happened?" And, oh, I don't know if y'all were paying attention, but, like, if you look at the background, they put a lot, way more work than they had to for these weirdo species of aliens. Every one of them, like, every background, like, that's why I was asking if, like, Ford had, like, another, another like, an actual alien look and this was, like, a disguise or something. Because every alien you see, none of them are just people. They're all just weirdos, like, a big fuzzy bear thing and, like, a fucking vest and shit. Whoa, and just, whoa, whoa. Weirdos? Weirdos, Kaz? Yeah. Wow. Nan, are you just going to let him get away with this? Tell you the truth. The universe is a weird place. Ah, fuck, you're right. (laughs) I'll walk out my door right now and be like, there's fucking weirdos out there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's fine. They they put a lot of effort into the costuming and look of these different aliens. And I say costuming because I don't think... Any of them were like CGI. Some of them might have been green screen or superimposed, but like it looked no, like I a lot did, of this. Was I fiz- never oh. got a. I never got a sense of green screen. Uh, I think Habakabula, yeah, well, John Malkovich's character. There you go. I was gonna say John Malkovich. Um, he was CGI because obviously oh, he has yeah. a bottom torso, a uh, below his torso. I love the look of his character. It freaked me out when I saw it, even in high school. Like I'm like one of those like I'm. I'm a teenager who thinks he's all like big shit, whatever. And you see that. I'm like, he takes off his glasses. He has no eyeballs and shit. It's freaky. And then like, not only that, he just rises from the table. He's like these little spiddly like spider legs that's coming out of like metal spider legs coming out of the bottom of him. And then like he gets off the table and they elongate. So he never, he stays the same uh, height the whole time. So the legs just get longer and compensate. And I'm just like in the theater still as like a teenager, just like, uh. (laughs) 
I I'm not gonna lie. When I saw John Malkovich's character, I just thought to myself, like, oh, another emperor egg. Great. <laughs> you know, because he's at, his whole thing is he wants a gun, and that gun would give him some very serious power. Yeah, yeah the point of view gun. I gotta say is maybe one of the best sci-fi inventions ever. How many times have you been in, like, I'm felt sound like I'm doing, like, a fucking, like... Infomercial. S- yeah, infomercial sketch. <laughs> like, Does this happen to you when you're in an argument with internet trolls? How many times have you thought to yourself you would love to just, boop, shoot them? I'm sorry, with your point of view. <laughs> and, uh... Let them really see things from your perspective. These fucking dipshit no. trolls who have just a single brain cell. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Now, all right. Be real, though. Who really invented this gun and what was it for? Okay. Uh, Ooh, this is the part where the movie feels a little dated. Probably from the book, though. It, it is from the book. <laughs> um, it is from a council of housewives who were tired of... Oh, I love that they have a council. There's a council of housewives <laughs> who were tired of just cleaning up, doing all this chores and stuff because the man does not understand how much work they have to go through. Oh, they, I think one of the things they say is they got tired of asking, like, you just don't understand or something like that. Pretty much. that That's how all the arguments end. So, funny bit of commentary. A bit outdated, but also, I don't know. I feel like there's still people, you know, that complaint um, every once in a while, but yeah. Oh no! They definitely need that. We uh, we 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 need the point of view gun. I think uh, it, it's something, but it is dangerous in the wrong hands. You're right. If the the great the whole clogged rip. nose of John Velkovich like got hold of this gun, yeah. we'd all be walking around with no Kleenexes and stuffy noses. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he was a religious zealot. The most dangerous ones of all. See that is the only time where I think a religious cult, sect, whatever you want to call them, actually deserves to have the phrase, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone says bless you for some kind of sneeze or whatever, and you're just like, who ordained you? Who gives you the right? (laughs) Um, And also, how is this a blessing? Why? You know, but they worshipping some kind of, or thinking that the universe was shot out of the nose, uh, sneezed out of the nose of some sentient being, they, I think, have the most entitlement to the phrase, bless you. I'm just saying. Let you bring thy divine Kleenex down. (laughs) I might be a little bitter and have a chip on my shoulder from when I worked at another place. And if I sneezed, I would have random strangers being like, bless you. And I just keep on working because I'm like, I, okay, I just sneezed. It's not a big deal. And then they would just be like, I said, bless you. I'm like, did you say it because you wanted to talk? Or like, <laughs> they want validation. Was Kaz, it like a how courtesy? Dare because that's just you. what people do. How dare you not validate their courtesies? There's Kaz's chip on his shoulder. Yeah. That's really the chip on your shoulder? Oh, I have so many chips. So I was about shows. to say, I was just like, we need to... Basically really a Pringles can. This being the only one. <laughs> I was, going, I was right. going a different route. I was going to be like, it's the fucking aggro crag all up in this bitch. Just nothing but chips and angles taken no. out of it. <laughs> no, the universe is weird. I went for something really dumb. <laughs> you went for food chips. I went for the show Guts. <laughs> <laughs> so with... After talking about uh, Kaz's chips on his shoulder and perception on life, let's talk about Marvin. Marvin, if you must, the depressed android. <laughs> Probably, as we saw with our with our group, the most relatable. I think as we're going towards nihilism and everyone is depressed. <laughs> everyone who saw Marvin were like, yeah. "God, why is Marvin such a mood?" <laughs> it was throughout the entire movie. All I wanted to do was just no, hang I out with Marvin. <laughs> and just kind of sit there and be like, no, you're right, It's the Marvin. same thing of like people saying, like, oh, don't you want to have kids someday? Wouldn't that be a little you? I'm like, you, you have you met me? You think I want more of this? You think I want to hang out with me? <laughs> yeah, so no, I couldn't hang out with Marvin. But I also can't stand the ship either. But we'll get into that in a bit. 
Um, yeah, Marvin <laughs> is such a mood because he's just so broken. He's nihilistic. And he, we, you know, the funny joke is just, or funny joke. It's not kind of a joke, but, all, you know, kind of a thing people just say as a reaction. It's like, hey, bro, maybe just go to therapy. He's programmed this way. There's nothing we can do for <laughs> Marvin. He's just a perpetually sad robot. It was a prototype. They wanted to try out uh, how uh, depression would be amongst the many gamut of uh, emotions to program into their... I was a prototype. Can't you tell? Oh, I love when they when they tell him to like, hey, bring the bring the stowaways up to the to the brig. I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed. Well, we have something that should take your mind off things. It won't work. I have an exceptionally large mind. Yeah, we know, but um, we need you to go down to the number two entry bay and pick up our stowaways and bring them up here. Just that. I won't enjoy it. Yeah, well, that's life. Life? Don't talk to me about life. Yeah, it's everyone who feels overqualified for their job. So, fun fact, in later one of the later stories, Marvin actually somehow takes down this robo-dog the size of a monster truck. By himself, you know the the the, the machine's like, all right, I'm gonna, uh, I'm I'm here to destroy, wreck shit, and it's like, I bet you have something really cool. It's like, no, I don't have anything. They they just they just left me here. It's like, what do you mean they just left you here? They left you to defend everything. I they, I, can, I can't understand that. What what's going on? So he basically just drives him mad because the robot can't fathom the idea of just why would they leave a depressed android to just a robot to defend this corridor. Just even the part where, like, uh, Arthur, you know, everyone loves to, like, improvise a weapon, and I kind of love that about this movie. Like, at one point, uh, Trillian just, like, holds Zephod hostage just with an aerosol can. I think with a deodorant can, because I think they set that up ahead of time. And so, like, yeah, eventually they realize it, and they kind of nab her. But, like, at one point, like, to, like, kind of break in and command everyone's attention... Which I don't think really worked all that much, but uh, uh, Arthur breaks in and he like has uh, Marvin's hand. Uh, 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 he just has his hand like you know in the shape of like a finger guns, whatever, and that's it. <laughs> and then Marvin is just like walking back to the ship. And he's like, "Ha ha, lend him a hand. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break." And he just like walks back to the ship. I love Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, <laughs> bless his soul. This bless is, I think, one of my favorite Alan Rickman um, performances for sure. It's like this Hans Gruber and. Severus Snape. Uh, well, for some, for one, some generation. Yeah, yeah, maybe people who grew up watching that, but like, yeah, it's like Hans Gruber, Marvin the Depressed Robot, and Tucker. I want you to edit in some great Marvin quotes. Ow. Freeze! Freeze! I'm a robot, not a refrigerator. <laughs> Computer, uh, we don't want to go to Magrathia yet. We want to follow the ships. Oh, I'd love to, fella, but wouldn't you know it, my guidance system has been deactivated. Oh, come on! I'm sorry about that, but it wasn't my fault. Marvin, I've been talking to the ship's computer, and it hates me. Oh, oh, oh. Can we talk about the Vogons and Vogon poetry? Yes, we can. All right, so I'm going to let you say what you're going on, but I am going to start with this. I have a degree. Uh, in in, in uh, English and literature uh, from a college, I've heard worse poetry than Vogon poetry. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, Vogon poetry is just you know the third worst. <laughs> when I when I tell you that our teacher asked who is our favorite writer or poets or whatever. And someone said the fucking, I forgot his name, it's something Morrison, the fucking singer from The Doors, and you hear the poetry that this motherfucker wrote? (laughs) (laughs) I have corrected peer papers where they spelled the words pedestal as pedal and stool in college. So, what were you going to (laughs) say? Oh, freddled grunt bugly. 
thy micturations are to me. As plurtled gabblebloticks in midsummer morning on a lurgid bee that morodiously hath blurted out its earth jirtles grumbling into a rancid festering confection organ squealer. Now the jirpling slyage agrocrustes are slurping haggrily up the axle gruts and living gloopals frat and stupulate like jowling meated liver slime. Group, I implore thee, my footening turling domes and hoopteously drangle me with crinkle bindlewordles masher brudges or else I shall rend thee in the gabberworts with my blur crunching. See if I don't! That's beautiful. I mean, so, so, some of the words in there were a little confusing, and the metaphor was a bit bit mixed in there, but I think beneath it all, it's basically a rough exterior <laughs> that's hiding the, the need to be loved. <laughs> I will have you killed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I accept this. This is, this is the right thing, choice you have made. Yeah, for the book, they keep it just vague. They don't give you a, a line of it. They just, just describe how a pain and aching the their poetry is. I want to actually use this as a, a, a as an excuse to come back to Ford. Okay. Because yeah, he it, fucking most def does great acting here. Because mm-hmm. like on in this movie, just because like the whole time the po- poem's going on, he's like strapped to this weird thing where his face is like you know held together by these weird like bands, or whatever. And the whole time he's just like wincing back and forth, like making weird like kind of like noises, and like. He does that throughout the movie. He just does like a weird battle cry like screech where he's like at one point he's chasing Vogons with like a towel and he's just like going chasing after going like, ah, nah, 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 <laughs> like making weird noises and he he does that throughout the movie and I didn't think I realized it until like we watched it right recently right now. It's like he's constantly just making just nonsensical like weirdo screeches. <laughs> yeah, he brought the character to life so great. He's such a weird, earnest, like, goofball. Yeah, I really like his, uh, his, uh, what he did with the role of, uh, Ford. It's just, it's, he's just, they, they captured the good nature of him. They captured just the simplicity of the guy. And just, it's just fantastic. Yes, but did he fill out the Vogon battle cry, uh, Proper forms and turn them. That in. was really funny with the scene with the scene where they're trying to get um, Trillian uh, pardoned. Sorry, I, I know you're calling her Trisha, and I'm saying Trillian. I just uh, that was the name for some reason that stuck with me. But she's the same the same person. Anyways, in case anyone's confused, but like it's really funny when they're trying to get like Trillian pardoned beca- uh, from um, kidnapping the president. Kidnapping the president. She's gonna be executed. We have the scene where she's being like lowered into this weird crate. Um, of something thrashing around, but like, yeah, it's like they break in, they break through a queue or line for us Americans. Uh, uh, they get to the front of the line, you know, start like it's like, oh, well, did you bring the forms? They go, they grab some form, start filling it out to get a release, and it's like, Vogons are one of the most unpleasant races in the galaxy. Not evil, but bad-tempered, bureaucratic, officious, and callous. They wouldn't even lift a finger to save their own grandmothers from the ravenous bugbladder beast of Trowl without orders, signed in triplicate, sent in, sent back, queried, lost, found, subjected to public inquiry, lost again, and finally buried in soft peat for three months and recycled as firelighters. Hi, hi uh, I've come about a re- release of a prisoner. Prisoner release form. There we go. Oh, kidnapping the president. Oh, no. She's not eligible for release at this time. OK, right, look. This, this is the president. Oh. OK, see, there? Mm-hmm. He says now the whole kidnapping business was just a horrible misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. She didn't mean anything by it. He's ordering you to let her go. But this isn't a presidential release of prisoner form. Those are blue. And I love how... It's like one of those things. It's such a weird, just subtle, like not 
particularly like gut busting like joke, but it's like as they're going to f- get the forms, whatever. Ford is just there. It's like I'll wait here. <laughs> just like <laughs> I'll hold our spot, kind of thing. <laughs> It's like, who amongst us has not just been like, wait, I shit, I'm in the groceries, and like, oh, we're already in line. Hold on. Stay here. I have to go get something real quick. <laughs> we got to talk about Zephod. We got to talk about Sam Rockwell. We got to talk about the president of the galaxy. All right. Zephod Beeblebrox. Zephod Beeblebrox. Another perfect fucking example in a sci-fi series on why you should never trust a charismatic leader. so my intro if i didn't go with the depressed robot thing my other intro was i was gonna introduce myself as president of the universe also more importantly president of your hearts and say cause but i thought the depression (laughs) angle was much better Uh (laughs) just the president of chill basically he's just this charismatic uh person with with two heads although i really like what they did with the two heads in the movie because uh, in this case, they felt that half of part of his brain was, no, or half of his brain wasn't very presidential, so they just got the dumb. Uh, we'll just use him as a figurehead and uh, put the other part of the brain underneath that head as part of the neck. It's just re- that's just really cool. Whereas every other interpretation, it's just a guy with two heads. Yeah, but also it's like he stole functions better with two heads than he does without even if that is separated and shoved down because we yeah, see it's almost like if you lose half your brain you lose a lot of major control I'm functions just saying that he has yeah. his brain separated it's split in half but he still has like one that act you know actively you know is the figurehead and it seems to make at least somewhat more coherent and yet this dude wants to find the ultimate question of the universe also this also with with the two heads is the same guy who signed the uh destruction of earth for to make a bypass oh yeah the vogons destroyed earth to make a bypass yep yeah we kind of buried the lead on that one didn't we (laughs) yeah (laughs) i tried to set you guys up for it earlier but then we just kind of forgot Yeah, I, I think I, I, like I said, I, I warned us. I said, hey, look, I know we're going to lose structure, but I want to talk about Ford. And, oh, not Ford. Uh, what about Arthur? And sure as shit, I fucked us over on that one. <laughs> we lost all structure. I'm going to say that's a my bad. I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'll be silent for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> Cast did an oopsie whoopsie fucky wucky tonight, guys, and we all have to live me. with that. I will have to sign my... Um, my um, apologies in triplicate. Get it stamped. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you get your form signed to get the forms to have the apologies ready? It was the wrong form. I needed Fuck. to sign the form of apology. I'm sorry. Listen. I don't believe you anymore. It was burgundy or red. I had to make a choice here. There is a distinction, sir. So let's talk about safe. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what an asshole so he signed uh, the destruction of earth for to make room for a bypass because he thought it was a uh, autograph it was signed yes. Zepha Beeblebrock's hugs and kisses hey man you just sign anything that's handed to you but you mentioned something to me when we were at work do you think he was not completely fully unaware of what he did oh I yeah, that is a very interesting thing. I did. We were talking about this, and uh, now I wanted to bring this up too. So he threatens Arthur when Arthur's about to tell uh, Trillian or Trisha that Earth has been destroyed, and he says like, "Hey, maybe let's not do that. I think it'd be better if we just don't tell her that." So that indicates he knew Earth was destroyed, and that he probably had something to do with it. So him then acting surprised when she brought it up was just like, man, you are just that type of douchebag, aren't you? Uh, yeah, it's it's something he, uh, in the books and everything, he's, he's kind of just glances over it. But I think in the movie, they kind of like hinted as like, okay, he knew that he did that, but kind of just signed it off in the background and, 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 you know, I'll address it, I'll address this problem later kind of thing. 
Uh, okay, so something that maybe was a bit more extolled upon in the book, but they they kind of did like a sloppy just coat of paint on it for the movie, maybe? Something like that. Okay. I guess he did an oopsie woopsie fucking <laughs> I mean, wacky. Going of All Planet kind of <laughs> seems like a bit of an oopsie woopsie. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the planet that's formulating the question that you're trying to get the... Uh, to, I was going to say answer to, but no, they know the answer. You're trying to get the question, the ultimate question from? Yeah, it's the a, answer 42. It's because we all know the answer whoopsie. to the universe is 42. Is it an oopsie whoopsie, or is it more like oopsie whoopsie now, fuck you? Look. I feel like I was doing shorthand. I'm sorry. I, I did not. I did oh, not. Okay. I'm so sorry. I, no, I, I didn't understand, and I feel like I, 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 I feel like I messed up there, and I just want to apologize so to you. Again, we can't go. We had. We can't go like a stream without Kaz making a video game references anymore because we seem to be doing that for like the past five fucking <laughs> podcasts. But I feel like amongst the circles of people I know that know about Hitchhiker's Guide, the <laughs> the answer's forty two was like the precursor to the whole like cake is a lie meme where bitches became so preeminent and so like in the culture of people who didn't even know the. Where like where yeah. it came from, like they didn't know where we you know where it originated. But people would just be like, "Ah, oh, answer forty two kind of thing." As opposed to just being people just like yeah saying cake is a lie, but people who like have never played and or know what Portal is. I feel like this was the primordial, the impetus cake, <laughs> <laughs> the primordial cake. Yes, this is the cake. The lie is based off. Oh. Whoa, man. I kind of feel I c- like cake is part of the question. What? Actually, can we get on that scene for the when they explain the ultimate question, uh, the ultimate answer? Absolutely. Why don't you explain it to us, man? Yeah, so in the book, they go through a, 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 a bit of an explanation. They, they, they talk about how, you know, just, you know, the process and everything. And it's really well written. It's really funny. But to see it on the screen, they did it justice. Holy crap! Is it funny? You know they go through, uh, they 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 build the computer, they they go up to it and they ask, you know, it's like, well, what's what's the ultimate answer to life, universe, and everything? I was like, uh, I need to think about that. Give me a couple million years, and they're just like, what, really? And then you fast forward to uh, a a couple million years, and there's like crowds everywhere cheering there's t-shirts saying think deep and it's just fanfare like everywhere it's it's great it's such a perfect scene just to set up the joke where like oh the ultimate answer to life the universe and everything is And then just the crowd dying. Just like the, the, the audio of the crowd dying. And one guy's like, what the f-? It's just in the background. 42? Yeah, and just everyone just start complaining. About it. It's just the scene was just written, just made so well in the movie. I love the, the deep thoughts design too. Just like giant head with like the body of someone that just like is laying down thinking, but could also just not be giving a fuck and just coming up with bullshit answers at the same time. Yeah. Again, it's basically just a computer, but they made it something so much more interesting in the movie. I don't know why, but when I look at the deep thought, I'm just thinking, whale. It's a whale. It's I'll, a whale. I like oh, Whales come up again, don't they? Uh, I, like, <laughs> I like that... Um, when they go to when Zephod and the group go up to the computer and they're just like, "So, did you find out the question?" It's like, "No, I've been here, busy here watching the telly kind of thing." It's like, "What? <laughs> oh no, yeah, I outsourced that. Basically, I just made another <laughs> computer to figure out the question." It's like, all right, what planet is it on? No, it is a planet. Oh, shh, my show's back on. The ultimate computer brain outsourcing the fucking ultimate question is the most like. We live under capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's just like the deep thought computer just realized, fuck this, I don't want to do this, I'll make someone else do it. (laughs) I just watch telly. Yeah. And I gotta say, 
the show kind of basic kind of lame yeah i know that's what you realize that the deep thought is watching i wasn't expecting them to be watching something philosophical but if i was the deep thought i would totally just be watching cartoons at that moment I, yeah i was gonna i was gonna retract it all of a sudden i'm like wait if i were wanting to take a break from deep thought yeah that's the bullshit i would watch yeah, actually never dumb and something mindless <laughs> sounds perfect it does sound perfect i just like i want a specific dumb and mindless okay i'm sorry I want a certain quality of it. I would like, if I'm gonna, if I could now be that chaotic dipshit and add structure back to what we were talking about. I would like mm-hmm. to one complain about the ship and two lead that into a, a, a topic about the probability drive, which I think either one of y'all can can take the reins on that one. But uh, I would like to complain. I would like to complain about the ship. Uh, but the so, SS Heart of Gold. So it's called the SS Heart of Gold. I didn't know that. All right. Yep. Sorry. Oh, I hate the ship even more. So like, <laughs> so like how Marvin is programmed with a personality and his his depression. Uh, the ship was built to have a sunny personality. A sunny yes. disposition. Yes. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like whenever the fucking doors open, you get this like kind of like comforted like kind of like content sigh of it going ah. and i'm like just that alone i'm like i will fucking drive myself insane i will rip the doors off their hinges <laughs> like I, w- I would lose it but then the fucking smarmy fucking voice of the ship <laughs> tom lennon yes thomas lennon but uh i think he said he was like a reno 911 guy is he like the main cop guy yes okay uh anyways this fucking ship with this cheery disposition just like is like, oh, hey, look, every- I hope everyone's having a good time. I'm like, all right. And <laughs> we seem to be attacking. Uh, they seem to be attacking us. I, if you don't mind, I'm going to take evasive maneuvers. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you fucking just, I don't know. It's just, it's a smarminess that I'm just like, I fucking hate this ship. <laughs> but then he, got, he, the ship does have a great moment when like things are going really bad. And it's just like, just do something. And he's just like, transform controls over. Good fucking luck. <laughs> no, he doesn't say fucking. He's yeah. too wholesome for that, unfortunately. Like, Charge like, to manual controls. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and then just fucking drop. But like, yeah, the other exceptional thing to the ship is... Um, Improbability? No. Light, oh. light lightsaber toast knife. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. We're gonna talk, let's, you guys want to talk about this improbability drive? Uh, sure. <laughs> it's maddening, actually. It's like, has things happen that are virtually impossible? Uh, in fact, it probably goes along with, like, everything everywhere all at once, and that to access different memories or, or different uh, universes, you have to do something completely batshit crazy? Yeah, I guess you're right. This probability drive basically goes through... Rather than go through hyperspace, which just goes in a straight line, it goes through every conceivable possible universe every, at, at, at near uh, instantaneously uh, just to arrive at possibly your destination or whatever probable destination you get and uh, in whatever probable improbable state you may be in. The way they showed Hyperdrive was so fucking funny. Just like this like weird like hedge maze kind of thing where it's like oh yeah, it's just it's just too annoying to try to navigate Hyperdrive. Like I feel like the Event Horizon thing is whole like yeah, just travel through, you know, you do that dimensional warping stuff. It's like a folding time. But this one was like a yeah, no, that's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> Improbability drive allows you to just bypass all of that shit. And you might come out a sofa, a yarn person, or turning thermonuclear missiles into a pot of petunias and a sperm whale. That poor sperm whale. <laughs> That's that, that's pot of petunias was ready for, for to rock with whatever. The fuck. It was like yeah, not uh, again. Oh okay. no, not uh, again. Not this again. <laughs> that's a discontent fucking pot of petunias. But like yeah, how about that 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 sperm whale coming into existence and consciousness? 
the moment it's in the uh, 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 atmosphere. Uh, who am I? What am I? What is my concept? What is my meaning in life? What is my purpose? <laughs> this is this is weird stuff rushing uh, against my. Oh, I'll, I'll call it a, a tail. Tail, yeah. What is this loud <laughs> rushing sound? I'm just gonna fuck it. I'll just name that wind. And there's something coming towards <laughs> me. It's like, ooh, it's got like this big kind of round sound, you know, kind of a round ground. So ground, ground. <laughs> I wonder if we'll be friends with me. Hello, ground. <laughs> Hello, ground. <laughs> and then you, you just see like this cutaway, just like far distance of this mountain range. This fucking whale hitting the, uh, the fucking ground and just a... <laughs> no. That poor sperm whale. <laughs> it didn't have enough to concept what was happening. It didn't have enough time to concept what was happening to it, so I guess it's fine. Again, they did the scene justice so well. Uh, is that is that more or less how that happens in the that's, book? That's more or less what happens in the book, yes. I know the petunias and the, and the uh, sperm whale thing yeah. is ripped from the book, but like yeah. the rest of the probability stuff? Or is, A lot of probability stuff. Like, Is that just creative license, or did that... They, they took creative license. Oh, like okay, the good. sofa thing... The yarn thing, that that was all them. Okay, I love that moment. It was just like, Ford. Yes, I think I'm a sofa. I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, I like when they come up with wacky concepts like that. The improbability drive was hilarious, in my opinion, and the. the the yarn effects were so beautiful. Oh yeah, that was gorgeous. That was a great little animation. So good, um, to and look it, like at. Nan called it. I mean, it's very reminiscent of the movie we just saw and talked about with everything everywhere and all that other stuff. So Nan, I, I have a question. Yes. Where was the computer to find the ultimate question? Well, you see, they needed something really complex and really powerful to come up with. The question. Yeah. They needed something really big and even used life itself as part of the variables to help calculate it. Uh huh. This neat little place called Earth. Fuck. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think, given our current situation right now where we're at, I'm not expecting us to come up with the actual. We're, we're bound to come up with such dumb, frivolous shit like, is she the one? <laughs> uh, no, I think the ultimate question that the humans can come up with is when is the McRib coming back? Yeah. 42. Nope, that's it. That's. <laughs> Why can't I just go get a McRib? <laughs> and the answer is in 42 days from now of this podcast, days. when you're listening to it. You're welcome, universe. <laughs> Amazing. We solved it. We the answer it, boys. in life, the universe, the universe and everything, everything is the fucking McRib. Ah, oh, damn. Hashtag not sponsored yet, but... <laughs> Literally, the question is, when can I get a McRib? <laughs> I'm hating all of this. The least corporate shill person I know making these kind of jokes is fucking funny. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Hey, man. We all have to sell out at one time in our lives. And for comedy, no. I guess that's no, what we're I'm so jaded that I'm like, yeah, of course, the answer to life, the universe, and everything is some kind of corporate fucking advertisement as I'm taking a fucking smoke. I'm that fucking like Ben Affleck <laughs> meme where he's just depressed because he fucking dropped his Chipotle and is like smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to smoke this cigarette yeah. and try to feel better. <laughs> so, how do we fix losing Earth? Well, they had a spare. We have Earth... 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 Earth Mark II. We have Urkel <laughs> Marth II. Called Urk. <laughs> Urkel Marth II. It's called... Oops, did I do that? Sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do uh, it? Which... Has this a, motherfucker? Where do you hide a spare Earth? Has a surprise uh, appearance from Bill Nye? Yeah, not the science guy, the like kind of squid guy from Pirates. <laughs> yeah, you can keep it in that sound. That's fine. Uh, 
Yeah, it is quite the surprise. Well, uh, I, yeah, okay. this is like the last thing that I ex- expected when I saw the movie the first time. Well, do you know who voiced the Deep Thought? No, actually. Helen Mirren. That's funny. That is funny. I love the amount of prestige this silly movie had. And also, I think the voice for the narrator is Stephen Fry? Yes. Yeah, oh, of course. Which, by the way, he he narrates the audiobook, so I already got the audiobook. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I heard that he did. I'm going to be checking that out soon. I, that might be the best way for me to experience the book, because, like, honestly... All right, this doesn't make me sound like an asshole, especially because I just I was like, oh, yeah, I'm an actually, I have an English degree in literature and reading. Uh, but, like, uh, I, every time I've tried to pick up the book, it's like I've read through some of it, but, like, any version I've had is just the big, chunky version of the book. It's, like, fucking, like, thick enough, uh, thick enough to be a McRib. Um, <laughs> and it has, like, no Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy. It's got the, uh, like, yeah, uh, Restaurant of the, the, the Universe, and it's got some, like, other stuff, like Don't Panic and other stuff in it um, that's just, like, kind of like, yeah, I would like this in a smaller bite-sized chunk that I could just read a story, and then I'll read the little mini-stories afterwards, but, like, when I was going to college and, like, bringing this book with me, I'm like, this is too fucking cumbersome, Nerd. I don't want to bring this thick fucking thing with me, <laughs> yeah, and so I just, I got annoyed, and I was like, I'll read it later, and so I put it aside, and I just... I did that like three times and never fucking finished it because I'm just like, yeah, I'll get around to it. It's just, I don't want to drag this book around. And boy, do we have an audio book for you. So I've never read it. So yeah, maybe I should do the audio. It was never an incontention. Are you, are you, I don't know. Yeah, what, I don't know. Why why I'm so <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm really sorry. So, <laughs> I'm over here chill trying to figure out how the fuck you hide a spare earth. <laughs> yeah, so they have a spare. Well, I mean, it's a big universe. What do you mean where do you find a spare earth? Okay, yeah, but like where do you build a planet? Tell me where they're building a planet. I don't know. That that scene is beautiful and scary. Like, the scope of it, I'm going to say... Yeah, because we go to Magrathea, yeah. which is a hidden planet, where they apparently can build planets yeah. on this planet. Where oh, the fuck true. are they putting this planet? The fact that they're building planets on this planet is the thing that I never... No, wait, hold on. They go to Magrathea, and they go through a teleporter that takes them somewhere else. So these planets might not necessarily be on oh. Magrathea. Basically, just the waiting room. It's a pocket dimension. Wow, these planet builders have access to pocket dimensions. I don't even dimensions. know if that's that. It could be a transporter. It could be a pocket dimension. That, that, that was a scary scene where just like, yeah, uh, as uh, once. So like Jim at this point, I'm sorry, should make a, like a sound bite every time I mention video games and just point out like, here comes Kaz's video game reference and just put like 8-bit music uh, to it. But like, yeah. As a person who's played like Outer Wilds, this whole like shot your shoot yourself in as on a lift out into like this fucking like empty space where they're like making planets, it was freaky and creepy to me, man. Like, it's a scary shot. It's pretty unnerving. It is pretty scary. <laughs> so anyway, apparently Arthur and Trisha are in love and the one for each other, and like. They go off and fly within the galaxy forever and ever to the edge of the universe for some fucking restaurant. Who knows? But not before. Mm-hmm. Marvin gives an entire race of aliens depression. Clinical depression where they're not even sure if they can go on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot that, about the ultra use of the point of view gun. That feels like a weird incidental accidental oopsie whoopsies version of genocide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why is why do we even go on if there's no point? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's real fucking depressing. But honestly, I also want to just lay down and say, what's the point, Vogons? <laughs> Get I in love line. That moment they all just start laying down, just like I don't even want to move. Yeah, that that lady had had the right of it. The um, president's the handler, pre- the vice was president. she vice president? She was vice president. Oh, I thought she was just his handler. Vice president, she had the right of it. As soon as she saw that gun come out, she fucking. Ducked. Like she was like, nope. It's like I want my somewhat sunny disposition. Well, I mean, she just wants that Beeble Brock's D. And she's gonna get it. Weirdly enough, she wasn't in the book. Yeah, I kind of liked her inclusion. She was a bit of a weird one. Um, it was funny because when we were watching it, uh, she has like that weird line when Trillian's being um, interrogated, uh, and she's saying like she doesn't know anything or what's happening, and she she has a lot weird line where she's like she's lying, 
she's skinny, she's pretty, and she's lying. And you're like, that, that, oh, okay, is, is something going on? And then, yeah, by the very end, it's very clear she was, I think, in love with Zephod. Uh, and the fact that oh she she was definitely the fact that Zephod had run away with her, um I think is what caused like this weird romantic tension. But it's funny it's never reciprocated. Like the Trillian does not give a shit about Zephod. She's it seems more into it for the adventure. Um and then yeah, yeah there's like no like weird rivalry there. It's just a one sided. Just she has some weird hangups. It is fun. It is very fun. fun. And I think that brings us to the ultimate question for us right now. So, Nan. Yes. Did you like it? I absolutely love this movie. Um, uh, someone who's a big fan of the book and the other medium, uh, mediums, uh, they just, it's just, I enjoy the humor that Douglas Adams uh, brought and just, oh, it's just so great. Uh, the humor, the wittiness, the just, dry delivery for most of every, everything. It does get a little crazy later on in the book series, but it's still it's still pretty good. Guys. Yes. Yeah. So did you like it? 42. Sorry. I didn't understand the question. What's happening? <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, the movie's fun. I, I liked this kid, and I think I pretty much uh, said the gist of it at the beginning was in high school I didn't know anyone who liked British humor or slow com or you know slow burn comedies and or dry humor um so I was like I, I don't know who to recommend this to I like it I think it's cool but like no one I know I don't think it'll I really like it uh and then uh seeing as an adult I'm like no this is great you got if you don't if you don't find this funny you you're a damn you're a damn fool <laughs> Um, Cause yeah, it's fun. It's got relatable, just depressed character. Maybe I was depressed before the rest of people in my age range. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but uh, um, I also like the just genuine characters, the silliness, like the the wacko silliness, as well as the dry humor. Is it, it's a fun juxtaposition, and it's it's got all of it. You got fucking shovels in people's faces for just thinking. It's hilarious. Squaring. So. Mm-hmm. Did you like it? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was a little nervous because I couldn't remember anything in this movie. But honestly, next time someone asks me uh, for, like, a sci-fi film recommendation and they haven't seen this movie, I'm going to recommend this movie. This is this is fun. Uh, I will tell them that this has some British comedy, so you need to be open to that. But it's going to be a good time if you just let it happen, you know? It... it I love its use of practical effects. The fact that I you barely use CGI in this movie is wonderful. Um, and just the entire cast was very infectious throughout it. And whenever you got a movie like that, that's a that, that's a solid thumbs up in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to say, like you mentioned, like the infectious cast. We did have a little bit of complaint of like the leads, like Arthur <laughs> and um, Trillian. Um, but they're still good. They're still good within it. Like the little complaints we have, that's us. Like, actors, hey, look, if we're gonna make yeah. a complaints, this is gonna be it. But like, they're still good. These are our full characters. Um, I totally was expecting you to just be like, yeah. If anyone asks if I have a sci-fi recommendation, I'm gonna go with Interstellar. But also, just like, <laughs> if you have some, if, uh, I mean, maybe check this out after Interstellar. If you have some <laughs> other questions, I don't know, The Running Man, The Matrix. <laughs> And then, you know, if you want some comedy also, I guess there's also Hitchhiker's guy. <laughs> Completely didn't know where this was going. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nan, Kaz, tell us what's going on in your lives. So we're second respawn. We, we uh, do this uh, um, podcast live almost every Friday. We miss a few, but we're mostly good on schedule. Uh, uh, Twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's the number two ND and the word respawn. We're variety streamers, but we do this podcast on Friday starting at 10 central US time. Um, beyond that, we do, uh, we finished Outer Wilds, so that was fun. That's a good thing. Yeah, Outer Wilds is amazing. That's, uh, that's a great game. If you like uh, scariness of the universe, that's a way to go. Then. Just had his birthday today, which we did a lot in Monhun. Nan does Monhun normally every Saturdays. Um, also been known to do some Dragon Quests and some Guardians of the Galaxy. 
All right, look at this guy trying to seem like he's multifaceted. <laughs> I, I do uh, Phoenix Wright and Devil May Cry stuff. I think I'm going to be returning to now that we finish Outer Wild. Um, and then we're joined by the always talented, always fun to listen to, Sir Squared. At, you can follow him you. at twitch.tv forward slash Sir Squared. That's Sir S Q U A R I N. He's starting Outer Wilds, and boy, is that a trip. He's also a master at Fall Guys, it turns out. A savant, you would say. Um, other than that, he's been enjoying just, just chilling, relaxing. If you want to see a stream where you can vibe to just Power Wash Simulator, we're just, we're just cleaning things, you know? <laughs> if you relate to that robot in Wally that's just constantly just, like, vacuuming the floors, I love that motherfucker. Um... <laughs> Check those streams out, man. He's a cool guy. Uh, and just so you guys know, this podcast comes out every week, fully edited uh, by our amazing editor, Tucker. You can follow him at Twitter, uh, at Tucker uh, underscore wins. Or wait, is it uh, at Tucker wins? And then you can follow him on Twitch at twitch.tv uh, slash Tucker underscore wins. Uh, he does a lot of music. Yeah. He plays chess. He asks those important questions. Uh, and he will be joining us next week as we dive into a fucking fever ah! dream of a film that we never knew really existed. The Warriors of Virtue. Oh my gosh, our Mandela effect is coming into play. This is truly the Mandela effect for me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to expound a, bit, a little bit when you say he does music. He does really great music. And on top of that, any musical accompaniment that you hear in our stream... Normally done by him. Any like fun, weird interludes of like, hey, look, there's a goofy thing where he said, hey, Tucker, add a song to this. He does them. He just writes them. And uh, just makes so just so you guys know, we are going to be planning soon for next year. Get the uh, schedule kind of written out so we know what to be looking at for 2023. And I would like to announce we now have an email in case anybody wants to send suggestions to us. If you'd like to suggest a movie for So Did You Like It for 2023, you can send that uh, at uh, So Did You Like It, num- uh, So Did You Like It, the number one, uh, at gmail.com. All one word. It is uh, just a quick way if you want to get to us and, you know, just send something that you've really enjoyed. Or if you want to reach out and you'd really like to be a part of the podcast and be a guest, you know, Send us, uh, send us your information, and we'll we'll get back to you whenever we can. So, I mean, I have an idea for the end of this podcast. I'm listening, but you're not gonna like it. Mm-hmm.